Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. It's the Pledge Drive. It's going very well, and uh, thank you if you have participated. If not, now's a perfect time to uh, call. The number is 800-826-1495. We are pleased to have with us in studio as our special guest for the hour today on our Best of Access Utah, uh, Craig Jessup, who is uh, Dean of the Kane College of the Arts, Professor of Music, and uh, Director of the American Festival Chorus. And so we've got a couple of musical selections from past Access Utah episodes, along with a, a, a very fun conversation with Ann Cannon, who's the daughter of Lavelle Edwards. And she has a, a wonderful book out called uh, I'll Tell You What, a collection of her Salt Lake Tribune columns, mostly about her dad. So, uh, Dr. Good, Jessup, thanks for, thanks for coming. Good morning, Tom. I'm honored to be here, and I want to start off this hour with my pledge of $100 Thank you. to UPR, and I want to challenge all the members of the King College of the Arts, student, faculty, and staff, and all the members of the American Festival Orchestra and Chorus to also give their pledge. Try anything will help, correct? Anything so will help, So whether that's right. it's $10, $100, $1,000. <laughs> Thank you for jo- that. Join me in making these pledges to UPR, which makes our quality of life so much better here in the state of Utah, and particularly here in Cache Valley. Well, thank you for that. So that challenge has been issued. And we have another challenge going. Uh, Larry Hips and Joan McLean are uh, generously sponsoring a $400 challenge pledge during Access Utah. And so every uh, pledge, uh, every dollar that you pledge today is doubled. Uh, so take advantage of that and uh, respond to Dr. Jessup's challenge here. Thank you, Tom. Uh, so I guess the, the message is now is the time to call. Now. 800-826-1495. So, uh, Dr. Just, we do a bunch of stuff on Access Utah. We, of course, do politics and um, and current events. I also do a fair amount of arts yes. um, interviews. Uh, for example, I had uh, on last year Patrick Doherty. Yes. And then we just repeated that as he's now on campus and that his, his stick sculpture is going up. That's right. It'll be campus. it'll be uh, the ribbon cundy will will be Friday afternoon at four fifteen in front of the library. But this evening is our annual dean's convocation for the King College of the Arts, and Patrick Doherty will be our speaker five thirty p.m. in the new Dean's Concert Hall. It's open to the entire community, and hear this incredible man speak. He's from North Carolina. You feel like you've known him your whole life. Mm-hmm. He stands about six foot three. He's here with his son Sam, and they work like Trojan warriors. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so impressed with their work ethic and what's happened in front of the library. And the thing I love about it, it's for everyone. Young and old, it catches your fancy and draws you in. It'll be quite a gift to our community, and it's the culmination of our Year of the Arts celebration. And we've had uh, several programs here on, on Access Utah on the Year of the Arts. A little later in the program, uh, we're going to hear from one of those programs um, when I hosted the gentleman from Gentry. Yes. We'll have some gorgeous music from them. Uh, but let's uh, start off with um, uh, part of our series of uh, programs uh, featuring Pulitzer Prize winners. And uh, I want to do more than, uh, you know, uh, reporting in books. And they do Pulitzer Prizes for music. Yes. Uh, which I'm sure you well know. Yes. Um, and uh, so I, I asked my producers, go find me a, a composer. And they did. When they came back, they said, I got John Adams. 
and I got really excited because I thought it was the John Adams opera composer. And uh, it, yes, uh, it turned out not to be that John Adams. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> turned out to be John Luther Adams. It was still an extraordinary conversation, and he does extraordinary music. Uh, he is uh, concerned with the natural world. And he he started off composing pieces, uh, evoking the natural world. Now he composes uh, pieces meant to be played in the outdoors. And so very, very interesting. So let's hear uh, about 10 minutes from my conversation with composer John Luther Adams. So I'm still as, as concerned with place as I ever was, but... I'm no longer interested in painting musical landscapes of, of particular places. I'm more concerned with making musical landscapes, if you will, or, or evoking in, in music um, the, something like the presence of place. And in my outdoor pieces now, uh, works like Sila, The Breath of the World, the big symphonic piece to be performed outdoors, or Ixuit, the, 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 the big work for percussion to be played outdoors. Um, I'm, I'm viewing the music as a kind of uh, uh, call to attention, as, a, as an invitation to listen more deeply to the never-ending music of place, wherever we may be. So it's no longer about a specific place. It's just about place. And it's about our place in the world and trying to, to understand more deeply, pay, pay closer attention to where we are, wherever that may be, and how we fit in. You've talked about the experience of experiencing your piece, Strange and Sacred Noise, which was uh, uh-huh. composed for the concert hall, right? Of experiencing that outdoors. So it, could you tell me about that? I guess that led you to composing these pieces directly for the outdoors. Yeah, yeah, I'm a slow learner, you know, but um, I had this experience of, of hearing Strange and Sacred Noise outdoors. Strange and Sacred Noise is a concert-length work for percussion. And... Um, it celebrates noise in the elemental violence of nature. It celebrates noise as a gateway to altered states of consciousness, which it has been in music and cultures throughout the world, throughout history. You think of uh, Inupiat drumming or a peyote chant, or you think of the whirling dervishes or rock and roll. You know, it's, 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 it's all about... Um, noise as a vehicle to uh, a, a, another mode of awareness. This piece was ex- was inspired by my experiences in Alaska. Um, it actually began on the banks of the Yukon River, 
when I was camped uh, alone waiting for the ice to go out one year. Um, and um, I wanted to evoke in music something of that uh, transpersonal, purifying uh, violence of, of nature. You know, that feeling that the world is so much bigger and more powerful than we can understand, um, and our presence is is somehow essential and at the same time insignificant, inconsequential. Anyway, so all these big ideas and this big um, extended piece uh, inspired by the big world to be heard in the small world, <laughs> inside mm-hmm. the concert hall. Right. In fact, it depends on the four walls and the floor and the ceiling of a concert hall to kind of overwhelm us and immerse us in this this um, this un- envelope of of broadband noise. So anyway, I, I I went to this performance in the Santa Barbara Desert, uh, a group in Southern California. Um, students of my friend Stephen Schick, the great percussionist, gave a performance out of the desert, and I settled in to experience my big powerful piece in this big powerful landscape and. Within a few minutes, I was chastened, humbled, and provoked. Um, here was this big noise that I thought I had made, and out there in the real world, in the big world, uh, uh, most of it just blew away in the wind. That was my aha moment uh, when I finally realized after 40 years of work that, oh, maybe it's time to, to make music that's intended from the get-go to be heard outdoors. Mm. The result was Inuxlet, uh, the, the piece for up to 99 percussionists. And I've since done um, two or three other pieces, and I think this is going to be a continuing Concerned. It's not the only thing I'm doing, but I'm, I love working outdoors. Could you tell me a little bit about Inuksuit? Uh, what, what, uh, what, first of all, what does, what does that word mean? Yeah, Inuksuit, um, Inuksuit are the stone figures, the stone sentinels, the sculptures, if you will, that the Inuit people have created uh, in the Arctic uh, all, all around the world at the top of the for countless centuries. Uh, the greatest flowering of them is in uh, the Canadian Arctic. And literally, more or less literally, translated from the Inuktitut, the word means to act in the capacity of the human. So what that suggests is that these figures are markers of human presence in what appears to be a big, empty, lonely landscape. And um, so I took that as my point of departure for this first work um, to be performed outdoors. And I imagined each of the musicians, up to 99, as a singular presence in that vast landscape. 
There's no concerted playing. Everybody is a soul. Each one of the musicians has a unique part. And I imagine the same thing for the listeners. Um, this is a piece that um, is so big that it may not be possible for you to hear all of it at once. And there is no best seat in the house from which to hear Inuxalit. Uh, you can sit in one place and burrow in and let the music float and revolve and expand around you, or you can follow your ears and, and, and walk. And um, everyone's experience of the music is unique. Misanthropic Alaskan way imagined that this was a piece that was all about solitude. Uh, well, trick on me. It turned out that it's a piece that's all about community. Uh, from the shared experience of all these solitary performers and listeners emerges this extraordinary sense of 
being in something together, being part of a community that is larger than we are. You're listening to Access U. Time Tom Williams with uh, Dr. Craig Jessup, uh, and that is uh, the voice, and you heard the music, of John Luther Adams, Pulitzer Prize-winning composer. He was on our uh, Pulitzer series on Access Utah. Interesting conversation, interesting music. Wow, what did you think of that? outstanding. I, I loved it. Eerie. And it took me the theory of music and the Greeks. They had harmony of the world, harmonia mundi, and harmony of the spheres, and he's combined both. It's, it, it's an ancient idea of what music is brought anew to us today. I mm. loved it. Uh, music meant to be performed the outdoors, and he said something interesting there. He says it may not be possible to hear all of this uh, piece at once. Everyone's experience of the music is unique. You can yeah. walk around. The, it's a, a piece for up to 99 percussionists in the outdoors. Fantastic. So, um, uh, have you had experience Playing outdoors? Um. Oh, I, I, a good part of my Air Force career, every Tuesday night on the west steps of the Capitol, at the U.S. Capitol, and every Friday night at the Jefferson Memorial. And I've played in places like Fourth of July with the Boston Pops and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir mm. to a million people mm. this summer, Sun Valley Pavilion outdoors. I have a, I have a love for that type of performing mm. uh, i love the nice concert halls too don't yeah, get me wrong right. but yeah the in sound, my career the, many times sure the sound is different right? the, the sound is different and obviously for something like the boston pops it's got to be amplified and carried mm. out to all those people but being out in the esplanade in uh, cambridge it, uh, it's on the Cambridge River, I think that's it, mm. in Boston. Is that mm. right? I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of the river. Mm. But right outdoors, surrounded by all of these people, was a fantastic experience. Mm. You've uh, you've played, performed at the Berlin Wall, I think? I have. I was in uh, Germany with the Air Force Band of Europe when the Berlin Wall fell. And we had that incredible opportunity of being near the Brandenburg Gates performing with the Air Force Band of Europe. That's a very special memory for mm-hmm. me as well. You have had experience working with composers, I believe. I have. Performing, preparing and performing new works. That's right, yeah. Um, which, which is always experience. exciting, yeah. always trick-or-treat. In fact, our uh, concert season this year with the American Festival Chorus, we've commissioned a piece by the American composer Lance Wickman, called The Road to Emmaus. It has an Easter theme, and I've yet to see the score. So we'll dive into it in January, and I can't wait to to get my hands on it. Mm. And we've not up to this point been able to really assist in bringing new works of music to uh, the world, but this is a first for us as we begin our second decade as a, a choir. I'm quite excited, and I hope it's the first of many commissions by composers that we can help assist in bringing out to the public. Well, we look forward to that. Thanks. We look forward to that. Um, so uh, I want to take something John Luther Adams said and make a segue to what we're doing here, which is uh, strengthening our UPR community, Access Utah community. Uh, he said in his Alaskan, by the way, he was raised in the South and in New York City, but he, he uh, went and lived for many years in Alaska. Um, he said in his, in his misanthropic Alaskan way, he thought this would just be about nature but instead, it was about community. Yes. And interesting. And yeah. mu- music does that, doesn't it? Oh, it, it absolutely does. And art does that uh, in general. This, 
I'll go back to our sculpture that is going to be uh, unveiled this week with Patrick Doherty. I've never seen art create community because he needs workers. We've had over 200 workers working on four-hour shifts during the past three weeks to build this under his direction. And it's created a whole community. Uh, Art has a powerful way of uniting people and bringing them together. We hope that we're a small part of that by featuring art and music and uh, so much else here on Access Utah. And if you agree, and if this is your program, we hope you call now, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. We have a challenge from Larry Hips and Joan McLean. They're generously sponsoring a $400 challenge pledge during Access Utah. Every dollar you pledge today, up to $400 is doubled. S- and uh, on so- top of that... Wait a minute. That yeah. means my $100 was it's really worth $200. Doubled. That's right. And so, again, I throw the challenge out to all the members of the King College of the Arts, the American Festival Orchestra and Chorus, and all my friends and neighbors here in Cache Valley. Now you're going to double the value of your contribution. Now is the time to make that pledge. And next time you see Dr. Jessup, you can say, hey, I took you up on your challenge. I'll look forward to that. 800-826-1495. 800-826-1495. And uh, I take it personally as well, in a good way, right? I mean, I, I won't get in the fetal position if we don't get a lot of uh, a lot of responses. But it is very encouraging when we do, and we have during this drive, I had a lot of good response for Access Utah. That's very encouraging. I just went back to the, the control room there and wrote my check, and they're busy on the phones. And that's, so that's that a wonderful was thing. fantastic to see. So thank you to you, and if you have not taken care of that, now's a perfect time to call, 800-826-1495. Well, uh, Dr. Jessup will continue uh, with us through the hour. We have some great uh, stuff coming up later in the hour, a very fun conversation with Ann Cannon. Uh, you probably read her column in the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, humorous, um, and uh, she talks in this uh, segment, uh, in the book and in the segment, you'll hear about her famous father, Lavelle Edwards. Uh, and uh, preceding that, coming up following a break, we'll hear some music and we'll have some conversation with the gentleman of Gentry, the gentleman trio. Fantastic. They've been featured a couple times on the Christmas concerts That's with right. American Festival Chorus, and I had the pleasure of having them on Access Utah as well, as a part of the Year of the Arts. Let's talk about that as well following this break. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Abhishek Bachchan is probably the most famous movie star in the world. Like in India, he does six, seven films a year that are seen by hundreds of millions of people. So what's that kind of fame really like? You'll hear our conversation. That is coming up on Q from PRI, Public Radio International. This afternoon at 1 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and USU Libraries presenting the 24th Annual Arrington Mormon History Lecture, Thursday, September 20th at 7 p.m. in the Logan Tabernacle. Information at 797-2631. Kip Winger began his long journey to classical music by taking a ballet class in high school. He made a significant detour through the world of 1980s hair metal, but now he's a composer. We'll hear the Nashville Symphony in concert playing music by Kip Winger on the next Performance Today from APM. Tonight at 9 on Utah Public Radio. 
Utah Public Radio would like to thank our partner, Intermountain Healthcare Budge Clinic, for sponsoring the UPR original series, Diagnosed. Find out how you can become a sponsor by calling 435-797-3215. Happy 65th anniversary, UPR. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. I'm joined by Craig Jessup, who's Dean of the Kane College of the Arts and uh, Director of the American Festival uh, Chorus and Orchestra. And uh, former director, of course, of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, uh, spent a, a career in the, was it the Air Force? The Air Force, Air Force with the Air Force with Music the, Programs. Music Programs. And so got to travel around the world with that. I did. Um, and uh, Dr. Jessup uh, has already participated in the fund drive here. He's kicked in his 100 bucks, had that doubled. Uh, and you can as well. Larry Hips and John McLean are generously doubling your pledge up to $400 during Access Utah. And uh, so just know that uh, up to $400 your pledge will be doubled. 800-826-1495. 800-826-1495. What an incredible deal. So you think, oh, my $10 won't do that much. Well, your $10 is now 20 That's right. Or your 100 is now 200 Or your 1000 well, up to 400 Your right. 400 is now 800 That's right. So don't miss this chance. Uh, during Access Utah only, 800-826-1495. 800-826-1495. So, uh, Craig Jessup, you're a listener. You're also a member. That's, a, that's an important distinction. Uh, why should people join you in becoming members of Utah Public Radio? Because I value this service. I listen to it every morning on the way to work, every uh, day on the way home, or if I drive to Salt Lake City. I'm always tuned to UPR uh, because I trust it. It gives me a balanced and I feel unbiased view of what's happening in the world. Uh, I, it's a very important part of my daily life. And I want to make a contribution because I know it's commercial free. And I want to do my part in sustaining this valuable service to our community. Well, thank you so much for your support in many ways, uh, and and uh, this morning renewing your membership. And by the way, you you got our new mug, Stand with the Facts mug. I uh, love it. There we go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you can go to our website, upr.org, see all of our thank you gifts, and take care of your pledge. Or you can call one of our wonderful volunteers, 800-826-1495. And uh, I'm thanking you personally for supporting not only UPR, but Access Utah. 800-826-1495. So, uh, Dr. Jessup, uh, you um, do a, the American Festival Chorus and Orchestra does a, a yearly Christmas concert or a series of Christmas concerts. Yes. And for a couple of years now, you've brought in uh, the gentleman from Gentry. That's correct. Tell us how that came about. How did you become aware of Gentry? I saw a television broadcast of Gentry, a special, about four years ago. And they had with them a young woman, I think at the time she was 12, Lexi Walker. And the show just blew me away. It was beautifully filmed and recorded. And I thought, I've got to get them. And I got online right after the show, got their website, did their contact information, and I had them booked for the next year (laughs) uh, to be on our Christmas show. And it was so good and so popular, we brought them back a second year. And in a few years, we'll bring them back again. And I would like to say, Lexi Walker, who was on the program with them on TV, I have her, we have her coming this year. She's now 16. She's incredible. She's the real deal. And 
I encourage people to get their tickets. They're going quick uh, for the concerts. That'll be for this year's concerts. That's this year's concerts, December 7, 8, and 9. Okay. In the Danes Concert Hall. And those tickets do go quick, so get get your tickets now. Uh, and then, uh, you know, get to, you have season tickets now. so We have season tickets, and they can buy for the entire season and get even a better deal yeah. as well. I'm glad when you went to that, my wife and I always purchased separately. When you got season tickets, then we became season ticket Thank you, holders. Tom. So, Thank you. Uh, they do great work uh, here in, uh, in northern Utah. Uh, so let's, uh, let's hear this. The Gentry, the Gentleman Trio... They're very stylish, yep. um, you know, pocket squares and, yep. uh, and, and uh, the three gentlemen, uh, Utah. Uh, They're all Utah. Young men. Yep. Uh, background in theater, each of them. That's correct. And uh, they just decided, well, we want to work together, so what do we... And then they have a very talented composer. Steven Nelson. He's brilliant. And he's really, I think, the secret of their success. These arrangements are so fantastic. Yeah. So I guess you could have called them the three tenors, but it's uh, that that name was taken, right? So, exactly. Uh, their their tenors kind of different timbre, so they all blend beautifully. And uh, Stephen composes what he call like to call cinematic pop. That's correct. And so we'll begin this with uh, just a couple of minutes from their beautiful song called Home, and uh, then get into this conversation with Gentry. And soon, dear, you'll find me where the stars meet. Let me start with you, uh, Brad. Gentry, the, the subtitle of your group is the Gentleman Trio. So Gentry is Gentleman Trio? Exactly. Gentry is short for the Gentleman Trio. And that, and that really stems back to kind of the, the core message of the group, which is, which is about uh, not only entertaining but inspiring, you know, wanting to stand for something bigger than ourselves. Uh, you know, we're kind of known for our, our, our suits and our pocket squares, and there's kind of a style element. But... Uh, really, our music I- embodies messages of hope and inspiration and healing and, and things that uh, you know, we strive to be as, as individuals, but, but things that really resonate universally, irrespective of culture or language or, or whatever. Tell me a little bit about that style. I was, I was on your website just today with a friend, and uh, she mentioned Mad Men. I don't know, is, is it a throwback kind of a style, or what style are you going for? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So... You know, when we first started, we thought we were going to do theater stuff, you know, just because that's where we come from is the theater world. And uh, what we liked about theater is the big orchestral epic kind of sound. And uh, as we started to get into things more, we we thought, you know, we don't want to necessarily limit ourselves to just doing theater because we want to write our own music. And, you know, the first person we called was Steven Nelson. 
who is our music director, producer, arranger, composer, you name it. And Stephen has this knack for film scoring. And not only film scoring, but writing pop music. And so we thought, what would it be like if we combined the elements of orchestral film scoring with pop music and thus the the cinematic pop idea was kind of born. Cinematic pop. So, uh, Stephen, tell me about that sound. Well, for me, it was um, exciting to be able to get to um, fully express myself orchestrally. When you actually score to film, you have to do it with one hand tied behind your back, basically. There's always somebody speaking. There's always some explosion happening. There's always something that's that you have to score around and therefore not fully express yourself. So in this space, we get to actually fuse pop and also that cinematic scoring sound. And I get to do it as dramatically and as <laughs> mm. indulgently as I'd like. And so it's a dream come true for me. And to have these kinds of voices pull it off is, is uh, icing on the cake for me. Well, I, I love film music. And, and those two words, I think, are the reasons I love it. You know, dramatic, indulgent. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it's positive for me anyway. Uh, Bradley, tell me how Gentry came about. How did how did the group form? Well, it was actually first an idea from Casey's wife. She had attended a, a convention of sorts, and there was a male group there that performed, and she came home that evening and told Casey and I, you know, you guys should form a group. We were currently uh, performing in Les Mis at Health Center Theater, and so we, we just found that we really enjoyed performing together. And uh, we wanted to figure a way to continue performing together. And that was kind of where it was spawned. Maybe you have to, you have mm-hmm. to share, though, what our initial reaction was when she said that. Oh, we, we, we were like, what? You want us to form like a, a boy band or something? <laughs> <laughs> I think we said like, um, Zarelda, aren't we a little old for that? <laughs> Even though deep down we were all very excited. Because yes. it's something we've all wanted to do since mm-hmm. we were little. You know? yeah. But we like to refer it to the man band. Yeah, the a man band. <laughs> the yeah. man band. Do you, I, I wonder if you fit that. Uh, every boy band had, a, had the tough one and the, you know, the heartthrob and the... You know, there, there are certain roles. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we've got it covered. We've got Bradley Quinn here who's, you know, he's... he's uh, We'll say he he appeals to the younger crowd. You okay. Know. We've got uh, Casey here, who's you know kind of the the middle aged women heartthrob, and then there's me, who pretty much reminds every older woman of their grandson. <laughs> you know, I get the, the cheek pinches and good cute little guy. You, you, you get the cheek pinches. <laughs> yes, that's me. That's you. You take one for the team. I guess yeah. that's, that's good. Yeah. I want to talk about that though. Heartthrob. There is an element of that, whether you intended it or not. That's the reaction I hear. From, you know, some friend, oh, you're going to talk to Gentry? Oh, they're, you know, they're so cute. I mean, there, there is that. I, I, I'm sure you don't want that to be the totality. You want people to get to your music, right? But No, certainly. You know, we, we, uh, when we first started, we, we were able to consult with some, some pretty incredible individuals, one of which actually happened to be Donnie Osmond. Um, we were able to schedule a, a phone call with him, and, and he just really emphasized on that same call time and time again the importance of branding. And, you know, we try to be very, very calculated in the things that we release in that we want to, we want to portray an image. And again, it's, we want it to be authentic first and foremost. We don't ever want to put something out that, that we can't get behind, but, but we do. We want, we want to put forward a, uh, an image of, of strength, of confidence. And, and the thing that's been most satisfying about doing that has been watching 
pictures get sent to us from mothers of their sons who were sporting pocket squares or mm. or who started singing because they saw the gentry guys doing it and you know maybe they weren't good at sports but they found they loved music and suddenly because gentry did it it was cool and they didn't mm. have to feel you know self-conscious or whatever so it's uh, again it's it, it all comes back to standing for something bigger than ourselves that the first and foremost serves as a reminder of the kind of men we want to be but more importantly a message that uh that goes out into the world and, and ultimately inspires others to be their best self mm-hmm. as well. Interesting. Donnie Osmond seems like a good person to reach out to. He's had to navigate these things for a lot of years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Casey, I wonder if you could expand on what the goal of Gentry is. What what do you want to put out there? What do you want people's response to be? It's a good question. I When we started out, we set our sights high. We sort of said, let's perform with the best symphony orchestras throughout the world and in the best venues throughout the world. And I think that's still a goal of ours. And and certainly this performance up here with Craig Jessup and the amazing orchestra and choir is a fulfillment of that goal and definitely on the track to go beyond from here. But, you know, I think the overall goal at the end of the day, if we can look back and and look at the the music we've created, the videos we've created, the performances we've performed, and if those things can – touch people. And if people can feel empowered to be better, to be their best selves, mission accomplished. Mm. That's a portion of uh, my conversation with Gentry. Um, and uh, Gentry are Casey Elliott, Brad Robbins, Bradley Quinn Lever, and uh, their composer, Stephen Nelson. Uh, so it's a beautiful music there as well. Uh, and they've performed uh, with American Festival Chorus and Orchestra. We have the that group's director, Dr. Craig Jessup, with us, who is also dean of the Kane College of the Arts. Um, it's interesting. I, I love uh, Stephen's music. He describes it as cinematic pop, um, lush, and um, it, it kind of reminds me of opera. Which it, the reason I respond so strongly to opera is it's 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 not so much a lot of opera the, the opera I love not so much an intellectual exercise it's a sort of an emotional punch in the gut I want to I want to feel that right yeah yeah it, it, Puccini is the composer that comes yeah. to mind mm-hmm. that lush gorgeous I just heard a performance of Madame Butterfly at the Santa Fe Opera this summer and I had forgotten how powerful he pulls on the heartstrings yeah. of the human. Emotion, yeah, no, no mercy. He, he, no, he, gets, he, he he's very theatrical. He, he grabs he? you, yeah. And Stephen has that same kind of emotional power through his composition. Yeah, I always uh, remember a quote from Bellini. Bellini apparently uh, said he wanted to make people weep, shudder, and die uh-huh. through his music, which. Which I think he does. It he, works. Yeah, it works. Yeah. yeah. So Gentry, uh, wonderful group, and that was that conversation was part of the Year of the Arts. We we had a partnership on Access Utah with yeah. with the Kane College of the Arts, and uh, for the Year of the Arts, you brought in a lot of people. Correct. We're culminating with Patrick Doherty and his. That's right. And it just as by coincidence, if I may, we unveil the statue uh, or the sculpture on Friday at four fifteen in front of the library. The whole public is welcome to come. And then on Saturday, we have the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and Orchestra at Temple Square in the New Danes Concert Hall. And uh, I'm particularly excited to have them come. They'll give two performances, one at 2 p.m. and one in the evening at 7. Still tickets are available. We'd love to feel every seat in the house. And, of course, this was my uh, home before I came back to Utah State University. Quite excited. When the... Chase Fine Arts Center opened, 
50 years ago, almost 51 years ago, in that first season, the Tabernacle Choir came up with Richard Condy and mm. performed in the, at that time, the Kent. And I had to have them back as we still are doing firsts in the Dane Concert Hall. Mm. And in November, we'll bring back the Utah Symphony with Terry Fisher. And to have these two uh, premier arts, musical arts organization of the state of Utah in our own Danes Concert Hall is pretty exciting for me. That is exciting. Yeah, that'll be got homecoming of sorts, and then they're coming to your home now. And, yeah. yeah. And there's a special encore you won't want to miss when you come. Okay. I'm not going to say any more than that. Okay. Uh, so that's this Saturday? This Saturday this afternoon, Saturday. 2 okay. o'clock, and Saturday evening at 7 o'clock. All right. Very good. Uh, we've had great response here for uh, to Access Utah on the Pledge Drive. Leslie Timmons in Logan. Uh, has called in and indicated there that she's from the flute studio in the Kane College of the Arts. So she's yes, responded Leslie, to your challenge. Thank you. <laughs> and your challenge again is my challenge. Uh, I I gave a hundred dollars and channel, cha- challenged all members of the King College of the Arts, faculty, staff, and students to also contribute. Match mine if you want, but whatever you can do, ten dollars, twenty dollars. And then also every member of the American Festival Chorus and Orchestra. And the great thing about this, if you do it during this hour, it will be matched by another couple. That's right. Larry Hips and uh, Joan McLean, uh, up to $400. So, so now your $10 is 20 My right. $100 is 200 Whatever Leslie gave was doubled. That's Now's right. the time to give. 800-826-1495. 800-826-1495 is the number to call. Uh, Dr. Julie Simon from Cedar City has called, and uh, she says, by offering a wide range of programs on the arts, the sciences, on issues important to Utahns, Access Utah always educates, and as in the case of today's program, often delights. So thank you, Dr. Julie Simon there in Cedar City. Thank you, Julie. Uh, Craig Jessup from Providence has come really? in. Has Did come he really? In. Uh, so he's a, he's a great guy. Thank you. I should have added, yeah, that's yeah. also Renee. Yeah, that's Renee, too. Yes. Renee and Craig. Renee, Renee and Craig Jessup from Providence, thank you so much for your uh, generous donation. And then Kate and Art Weibrow from Providence have, uh, Wonderful. have called as well. So thank you to all of you. Add your support to theirs at 800-826-1495. Let's take another break. When we come back, we will uh, hear from Ann Cannon. Uh, talking about her book, I'll Tell You What, which is a collection of her columns from the Salt Lake Tribune, many of those about her famous father, Lavelle Edwards. More following this break. It's Autumn Equinox with sounds of the season, including Sarah Vaughn, Sam Cooke, Van Morrison, and others. Also, we dig into the archives in search of Aretha Franklin's enduring spirit with Muscle Shoals musicians who backed her hits, producer Jerry Wexler, and father, Reverend C.L. Franklin. I'm Nick Spitzer. Join me for American Roots from PRX. Saturday evening at 8 on Utah Public Radio. Seth Godin is wise on the art, the work, and the highest human possibility of technology and even marketing. If people can offer us connection and meaning and a place where we can be our best selves, yes, we will seek that out. I'm Krista Tippett, and that's the next On Being. Sunday evenings at 5 on Utah Public Radio. How 
Hi, this is Debbie Andrew, Development Officer at Utah Public Radio. 38 years ago, when UPR was just 27 years old, John Lennon was shot and killed in New York. The Pac-Man arcade game was released, along with post-it notes and the Rubik's Cube. Mount St. Helens erupted, the world tuned in to see who shot JR, and I graduated from high school. Happy 65th anniversary, UPR. Thanks for listening to Access Utah's The Best Of during the Pledge Drive. I'm pleased to have with me in the studio for the hour, Dr. Craig Jessup, who's Dean of the Kane College of the Arts and Director of the American Festival Chorus and Orchestra. And uh, Dr. Jessup has done his part. He and Renee have uh, kicked in their pledge. Uh, and uh, Dr. Jessup, uh, your challenge? My, my challenge is to every member of the Kane College of the Arts, faculty, staff, student, to also make a contribution, whatever it might be. It doesn't necessarily have to be $100 be 10 can be 10 and also every member of the American Festival Chorus and Orchestra we reach all the way through this community make your contribution to Utah Public uh, Radio and if you do it during this hour it's doubled it's doubled that's right up to $400 uh, just very briefly, Dr. Jessup, we're going to hear from Ann Cannon, um, and uh, you may know that she's the daughter of uh, Lavelle Edwards, and uh, Patty, I think, is uh, his wife. I should yes. mention uh, her mother as well. Um, so uh, she has a collection from the Salt Lake Tribune, called, and this uh, collection is titled, I'll Tell You What, which is Lavelle, one of Lavelle Edwards' favorite phrases. Uh, so quickly before we get to this, you... You knew Lavelle Edwards. Just just very, uh, not in any depth, but we have a tie in that my first teaching job after graduating from Utah State University 45 years ago was at Granite High School in Salt Lake City. And when I got there, I found out that Lavelle Edwards' first teaching job was coach of the football <laughs> team at Granite High School. <laughs> and I felt linked to that man ever since. <laughs> and I've always admired him because of the great individual he is and the great leader. And he surrounded himself with the most talented coaches on his staff. He was never afraid who got the credit. He surrounded himself with people. He'd be the first to admit people Mm. better than himself. And that was the secret of his success. He knew how to build a team and he knew how to invest in people. Mm. What a great man. Uh, let's uh, let's hear this. We may not be able to hear the, all of this uh, segment, but uh, I think we'll repeat this episode as we go along, and uh, you can find it on the web. Uh, but just a delightful conversation with uh, Anne Cannon, the daughter of uh, former BYU football coach uh, Lavelle Edwards. Um, and just before we go to this, the, the way to support this kind of programming is to call 800-826-1495. 800-826-1495. Let's hear this. Tell me about uh, how your dad met your mom. Tell me a little bit. You, 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 <laughs> this was at Utah State University, where I'm talking to you from. I know, I know. Well, and we have a great fondness for Utah State, and actually a couple of my kids are graduates uh, from Utah State. But he, um, he was on the football team. She was uh, a former rodeo queen from Big Piney, Wyoming, and he had been asked to sort of judge this uh, I don't know if it's still there. It was called the Sponsor Corps. I mean, I think it was sort of like a little drill team thing. Or not little. It was a big deal. And uh, so they had the girls, like, come out and twirl a rifle and salute and do that sort of thing. My dad saw my mom, and he was, he was immediately smitten. So he tried to get her um, attention, got uh, 
uh, lined up on a blind date with her, and she proceeded to introduce him all night long as Liddell Anderson, who played <laughs> basketball at Utah State. So, I don't know. I didn't get off to the greatest of start, but he was pretty persistent, and they ended up with each other, and we're all glad for that. <laughs> well, in fact, um, your mother's father, your grandfather, right? Yeah. Not not LDS? He worried. Not LDS. He, he yeah. predicted you go down to Utah, you're going to end up with one of those guys named Lavelle or Liddell or Lamar, or, you know. <laughs> or Garth or Garth. Right. Those were the other two names he came up with. Yeah, and uh, she proved him right. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Tell me about your uh, your grandmother uh, up in Wyoming. Uh, she she's seems, Oh, my great-grandma? Uh, great-grandma. She seems larger than life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she has sort of legendary status in our family at this point. She she was my mother's grandmother. My mother was um, the only child of an only child. And and she grew up there in Big Piney, Wyoming. And my great-grandma, Pat, who I still remember, because apparently I come from a long line of child brides, she uh, was just um, crazy about my mom. And, and she, but she was also... Wow, okay, she was the game warden up there in Sublet County, and, and, and the way I've been told, she could sort of outride and outgun any man who ever showed up. And she slept with a shotgun. I mean, she was just that kind of sort of crazy frontiers woman. And when my mom brought my dad home, my dad was just this sort of Utah farm boy, and, and he'd never really been hunting or fishing or anything like that. My great-grandma took him. She just was appalled, and so she tried to teach him how to fish, and like I say, my dad just stood on the banks of the river and cast off into the bushes behind him the whole time. <laughs> but they, uh, uh, in the end, they came to appreciate him. <laughs> you have a, one of your columns, you talk about phrases that you've inherited, uh, and your great-grandmother's yeah. was, I'm going to get things, I'm going to get lined up today. Yep, and she never did, but uh, it's a phrase that, that my mom and I use with each other t- all the time, you know, I'll call her and say, well, I'm going to get lined up today. And uh, what that meant is that you were going to get organized, that you were just going to finally impose some order on all the chaos around you. And, uh, you know, that, 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 that's a worthy goal. I, I don't know that I'll ever accomplish that, but we do use that all the time. You say your great-grandmother usually just embraced the chaos, but sometimes she'd say, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get lined up today. Yep, yep. Uh, and I guess, exactly. that's, I guess that's motherhood, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's exactly right. Uh, tell me about the, this, the title of the book, your, your dad's phrase. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'll tell you what. So I just have so many memories of my dad. Like, you know, there'd be a conversation, people would be going back and forth and we would, um, you know, my dad would be listening and then he'd go, well, I'll tell you what. And then he would tell us what, you know, he'd tell us what he thought or whatever. And, and I, I realized, you know, once somebody... Sorry to have to fade out of that. We want a little time here at the end to, uh, to wrap things up, but we'll, uh, we'll get that on again, that episode on again, and you can listen to it online at upr.org. I'm going to get and lined Canada. up, too. You're going to get lined up today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, Dr. Jessup, you, you strike me as a pretty lined up guy. I think you, you, <laughs> oh, you, no, you get always, a lot done. I'm always but, working on it. <laughs> uh, I guess that's the key, right? Work on it, right? Exactly. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, that's kind of a... And then uh, just a little bit uh, further, um, Ann Cannon talks about how... Um, her dad, Lavelle Edwards, is a big Johnny Cash fan, and apparently he said that phrase. I'll tell you what, right? So, and a big Willie Nelson fan. He's Lavelle got Edwards, good yeah. taste. Good taste, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if you're 
parents had any phrases that have stuck with you? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, there are a ton that I can hear my my mom and dad saying. Like my mother, the one that flashes in my mind, Craig, if you'll take care of it, it'll last forever. <laughs> Good, yeah. She was a child of the Depression. Yeah, yeah. Craig, if you'll take care of it, it'll last forever. Yeah. My dad was a child for Depression, uh, too. Um, I'll just tell this quick story. So I came back from my LDS mission in Argentina with a uh, uh, this rawhide uh, briefcase. Beautiful briefcase. My dad put it in the closet for 10 or 15 years because his previous briefcase had not worn out yet, right? Good man. This is, this is the kind of thing, you know, the depression taught people. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, delightful conversation with Ann Cannon there. I enjoyed it a lot. This is not a bad gig to have. I hope you're enjoying these conversations as well. And uh, here's how to support it. Call 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. Uh, or go to upr.org. We want to uh, acknowledge. Uh, there's another uh, thing that my dad always says. You'd say, uh, someone say, I want to do this. And he'd say, well, why don't you? So <laughs> I I am acknowledging right now Janice Wimmer of Logan, who has called in and uh, taken uh, advantage of this, uh, doubling her pledge. I have really enjoyed listening. Always makes me want to stay in my car a little longer. Thank so, you, thanks, Janice. Janice. I know just what you mean. Appreciate that. So uh, your challenge once again, uh, Dr. Jessup. My challenge is to every member of the King College of the Arts, faculty, staff, and students to make a pledge of any amount. It doesn't have to be an, a great amount. I pledged $100. Match that if you want, but give us 10 or whatever. And if you do it today, it's doubled. And I offer the same challenge to all the members of the American Festival Chorus and Orchestra. Every dollar makes a difference. Thank you. Uh, appreciate everything you do, Dr. Jessup. And, Thank uh, you, Tom. And uh, thanks for coming and helping us out today. My honor. And thanks for all you do, Tom, for our community. We love your work. Thank you. Thank you. And you make it possible with your call right now to 800-826-1495. And thanks for listening today. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard at upr.org.